People look at you differently. I've come from television with a million viewers where I walked into a room and people were like, oh, you're on the Today Show? Oh. And like all of a sudden, you know, and that was so good to walk away from that because that is not who you are either. That's just arrogance and cover. And yet there was like this degradation now that I experienced. It's like you're subpar. That's why you can't handle this whole thing from a shim. It's I'm judging myself. You cannot control God. You cannot put your timeline on God. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. May, may we see miracles in our days. May the energy of the miracle of Hanukkah be with us and may we see it. Miracles, whether or not they are obvious, may we experience them. But we want to see them in a revealed way. And may everyone experience them in their own personal lives. And may we see them in Eretz Yisrael now. This episode is sponsored by Svasman Jewelers. And today we have a, a double sponsor, also sponsored by Florals by Esty. And that's Esty Katz in yeah. Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Svasman Jewelers have been the jewelry wholesale business for 40 years and opened their first store location in Crown Heights 12 years ago. They've gained a following well beyond Crown Heights and now opened their second location in the heart of Miami, Florida. And that's cute because Ida lives in Miami, I live in New York, so we both have close access. But you can also shop online and they'll be having the grand opening event Sunday, December 17th in their new location in Miami. Yeah, it's actually in Surfside. It's right around the corner from where I live. So it's exciting. So Tzvassman Jewelers specializes in uh, bridal, occasion, custom, and everyday fine jewelry. And they have beautiful things from what I've heard. I look forward to uh, paying them a visit. And they're also known for their excellent customer service, which always makes the experience so much more enjoyable and pleasant. You can find them on Instagram or via their website. Uh, you could visit either of their two locations. And they are always there to greet you warmly and guide you with all your jewelry needs. So thank you, Tzvassman, for partnering with us in this episode. And thank you by Esty. By Esty, I've actually received some of her unique and beautiful flowers, beautiful arrangements. By Esty provides artful high-end event florals to enhance your special occasion. They design and set up centerpieces and arrangements for all your events. They also sell luxury flower arrangements every weekend and monthly subscription plans are available as well. So for inquiries, email floralbyesty at gmail.com. And on Instagram, you can see some of her beautiful designs at by Estee, E-S-T-E-E-E. And you can go to her website, floralbyesty.com. You will have all the links in the podcast notes. So thank you, Estee, for co-sponsoring this episode. Yeah, I love that. I love flowers and I love the idea of a subscription program so that you can check one thing off your list. We're all about bringing up mental space and that's uh, one nice way to do it. Both flowers and jewelry make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> perfect duo yeah exactly right. so if you're a married man listening this is a good place to go to buy your wife some flowers and jewelry you can make your wife happy this Hanukkah and beyond think of all the credit you'll get uh, getting a subscription for your wife every Friday flowers come to the door and uh, yes. so it's just a really nice act of service that um, makes people feel special. And, you know, it is applicable to this episode because it's all about relationships, how to find your partner with self-awareness and a healthy approach and alignment in mind, body, and soul. And actually, uh, recently in, in Tanya, I was reading that when you're attracted to something physically, that particular thing that you're attracted to 
you're attracted to something in it that's very spiritual. So it's actually a really good mindset to have is that when you're attracted to something physically, to think about, okay, how can I make this meaningful and, and what can I do to bring out the spirituality to be aligned with God's will? I'm actually talking about physical items. For example, the flowers. You adorn your table with flowers, with an open home, inviting guests into your home, and that is how you bring the spirituality in to think about that with physical things that we are attracted to. But this can also apply to a person, to a human being, and to the person that we are attracted to and how to bring out the light in them and how to live in alignment as soul partners, to bring godliness into our lives with our soulmate. And that actually really ties into this episode. And speaking of which, um, our guest in this episode is very much in line with that thinking. Our very special guest today is Jackie Glasner, who is a former Today Show psychologist in Australia and director of the leadership development for global nonprofit Olami in 320 locations. Jackie has spent decades helping people transform their lives. Her goal is crystal clear to provide tangible results that serve you in the present and equip you with tools for self-mastery, enhancing emotional and spiritual intelligence for a fulfilling life. Jackie's approach integrates Hashem with psychology and emotions, recognizing that growth is part of Atikon, both inside and outside of marriage. Her methods tap into the subconscious level, somatic psychotherapy, parts work, hypnosis, with a strong cognitive psychoeducational component. Her goal is true transformation that liberates you from the cycle of constant coaching and therapy. It's not just about finding love. It's about creating a life you deeply desire. Jackie believes no one should remain stuck alone, and it's her honor to guide you on your journey. Get ready for a transformative experience where love, wisdom, and the key to a fulfilling life awaits. So let's dive in. Hi, I'm Rifka. And I'm Ida. Welcome to From the Inside Out, now a global community that keeps growing every day thanks to each and every one of you. Right here is where you'll discover life-changing insights from some of the world's greatest thinkers, leaders, and our everyday heroes. We believe that meaningful change comes from taking inspiration and turning it into action. In fact, that's how this podcast was created, in an Uber, where we were both inspired by each other's life experiences and how much we could learn from each other. We're so glad you've joined our conversation today. The path to meaningful change starts right here, right now. From the inside out. We are very grateful, Jackie Glazer. We're both Australian, actually, Jackie and I. Um, so it's Jackie Glazer, and for all my... All our listeners in the U.S., it's, you, it's Glazer. <laughs> but we'd like to welcome you here today. Uh, you're, you've got a very colorful life. And um, being a psychologist, a dating coach, you're on the National Today Show in Sydney, Australia. Um, you have a very interesting journey. You've guided many, many people to the chuppah, to their marriage. You've given them a lot of clarity and a lot of trust within themselves. We So we wanted to talk about all those things and how you get people to a place where they feel unstuck and they feel confident and they have the clarity and purpose um, to be able to, you know, live a full life uh, in mind, body, and soul. So here we are with you. Um, we're, we're living in very uncertain times and we wanted to be able to tap into that place of trust within ourselves and to have unity, to feel united, to feel like a whole person and also to be able to expand that in feeling united with the people around us and collectively as a people. Wow. Yes. 
Amen to that. <laughs> it is a bracha, and may Hashem fulfill that for all of us and for all our loved ones in Israel and for our land and our people. It's a pleasure. Okay, so you have uh, extensive experience in psychology. You spent 20 years uh, in that field. And I'm curious, we're curious to know if, if you could tell us a little bit about you know, what, how, what your thought process was and how you viewed dating and relationships, the, the sort of before and after, like, was there a moment, like an aha moment? I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about singles, which is that if they just knew how to act on a date, if they just knew what to say, there's a lot of great advice and wisdom out there. We see a lot of it. However, a lot of singles are doing the right things and it's not happening. So that led me to see that there's something deeper going on. And what is that? And that is really the idea that we have certain belief systems that we operate out of, all of us, nothing to do with being single, that is in the subconscious brain. The subconscious brain is the part of the brain we're not aware of. And so you have, it's 80-20 rule actually, about 20% is from the conscious mind and 80% of how we react to things in life are from the subconscious mind. So unless you know how to tap into that subconscious place in yourself, which most people don't, how would you? you're going to be operating on this 20%. So even if you're doing everything perfect, you're still operating on that 20%. When you say everything perfect, what do you mean? Meaning Give me examples. Doing everything I need to be doing to get married. Like I am calling the, the shotguns, the matchmakers. I'm going on the apps. I'm going out on dates. I'm operating the right way on a date, right? And all the right, all that advice we see out there, there's a lot of great advice and wisdom. And a lot of dating coaches are doing great things. But I know a lot of dating coaches who say to me, you know, I've got a lot of singles who are doing all the right things and it's not happening. So what do we do? We jump to, it's a shit of crisis. Let's just go to that and feel helpless and victims and scared. No, for an individual, that is not helpful at all. Whether there is a shit of crisis or not, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't have access to the numbers. doesn't help me. So let's let that go and let's focus on you. What do you need to do to be open to receive this most unbelievable blessing, which is your spouse? What can we do? And are we standing in the way? So I always tell my singles, you're single by design, not by punishment. Right? This is not, you're not being punished. You're not forgotten. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with you, which is how most singles feel. Right? I was single for many, many years. So part of this was that I chose to go into this because I made a deal with God. What was the deal? If you get me married, I'll help singles. <laughs> how old were you when you got married? I was in my 40s, 44. And I get, don't worry, don't freak out, everyone. It's not going to happen to you. But, <laughs> but there are, there, I, I know many people who are single in their 40s. Really? You do? Yes. Wow. Okay. So I don't know a lot. I know some, but the majority who freak out when I say that are in their 20s, 30s, you know, as well. They're like, I don't want to be her. You know, I'm the worst nightmare. You know, so don't worry. I, nothing about my life has been normal. So you don't have to think that's going to happen. And I was a balanced sugar. Yeah, but nothing about your life has been normal, yet you're living an amazing life right now. Correct. That's why you cannot guess God's plan. You cannot control God. You cannot put your timeline on God and say, I have to be married by this time or I'm giving up. You know, a lot, that's, that's the biggest battle is not to give up because, well, why are you giving up? Well, it hasn't happened till now. So why should it happen? Is what I hear a lot of, obviously. It's like, well, who, who are you to put the timeline? How do you know what's going on for your husband or your wife? How would you know? So right. we can't do that, but it's hard not to because you have to hold the pain and keep going. And that's the battle. Um, but I got, I, I did a deal with God and I said, you know, if you get me married, I'll help singles thinking it would be on the side. 
And after I got married, which is a whole different story, crazy story. Can we hear the crazy story? We can get the crazy story. Okay, let's. The crazy story. Yes, we want crazy it. story. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I was working for in a cure of organization, Olami, and we were going to a big CEO for a meeting for a, as a donor. We we're very excited, billionaire who was from Shabbat, and he wanted to invest. And I was doing, I was director of leadership development, so we were very excited going in for this meeting. And as we went in, my COO said, Jack, you know, he's Israeli and he's going to ask you direct questions and maybe personal questions. And I'm just warning you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I love Israelis uh, and uh, I can handle it. Okay. I'm just letting you know. And I said, yeah, sure. So we go in, we sit down and he says, he's there with his chief of staff, four of us in the room. And he says, uh, whose project is this? And she said, Jackie, okay, what's the budget? How many people? We were taking 800 people to Spain at that point for a big leadership convention, young leaders from all around the world. It was amazing. And I tried to answer. And he said, what's your, what's your whole thing about? What, what is the focus? And I said, you've got to be the change you want to see in the world. Thanks, Gandhi, right? You've got to walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk. He said, great, what are you doing to walk the walk? And I was like, gulp, like this is one of those times. That, and like, you know, my CEO was looking at me like I told you. And I said, well, I'm working on this. I'm in a, in a VAD of Musravad. I'm working on myself in this way. I'm working on this meter, you know, this, this quality. And he said, no, no, no. Why are you single? And I was like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I don't know. Like, what, what do you say to that? Never ask a single dad, by the way. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. And I said, I don't know. I really don't know. And he said, no, 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 why are you single? Like drilling into me. And I was like, I don't know. And my heart was starting to race. And I just said, I don't know. And he says, you know what you need to do? And I'm like, what do I need to do? Like now we're, you know, the other two starting to look down. And, go, <laughs> right. and he says, you need to go home today and you need to tell Hashem that I accept. Like that and bang the table. And I was like, accept what? And he said that, that you accept that no matter what you will accept whatever Hashem decides, that even if Hashem decided you were single, you had to be single, God forbid. And we should not assume that. So don't everyone freak out, right? We should not assume that. But if he were hypothetically to decide that, again, your worst case scenario, I, I would accept it. So you surrender. That's surrender. And I, and I looked at him and I just burst into tears. Because that was the very thing that I was wrestling with in my heart. It's making me cry already. I re- it's so real, right? And this is what I think today and today is where we're wrestling with that as well, right? How to surrender. And I burst into tears to him and I said, I try. Some days I do. Some days I can't. Some days I trust Hashem and, I'm like, and other days I just can't. And he said, but watch what happens when you do because that's all that God wants. That's all that God wants. He wants you to surrender. It's not about punishment. He wants you to become your best version of yourself. And we do that when we surrender. We transcend our lower self, our ego, and move into our higher self when we surrender. And sometimes the shim has to squeeze you. You know, the Torah compares us to olives and, it's, and olive oil. Olive oil is rich and beautiful and pure. And olive oil is extracted from olives by crushing right so sometimes in life we're put in these corners and we're squeezed and we're squeezed in a certain position in a certain way at a certain time with a certain amount of pressure and it's only because of the squeeze that we're forced to dig deep inside of ourselves and pull out this potential that we have inside of us 
And that's what was happening. And I said to this guy, the CEO, CEO, I said, sometimes I try, sometimes I can't. And he says, nonsense. That's, he said, trust is a choice. So you have to choose to trust. It's not just going to wash over you. I don't believe it's, it's not going to happen. You have to choose it for watch what happens when you do. By this point, I was liquid from every orifice and everyone else was in the, in the room was like looking down. And after we, it was just that he was like my new Rebbe. It was hilarious. I know all these big, beautiful Godolim, right, rabbis who I've got blessings from. No, nope, it had to come from the CEO. I don't know why. It's like my goof needed it, you know, the more tangible. And at the end of it, he had to suddenly leave because there were banks waiting for him for meetings. And he walked out and he said, I like her. She's real. I'll work with Olami. Wow. And, and, and he walked out. I'm like red eye. This is so unlike me. I'm, this is not my personality at all to do this. It was so unprofessional. And you it was unexpected. And unexpected. Right. At this right. level. Right. right. And the other two were still really just look. It's like they disappeared out of the, out of the, out of the room. And he walked out. And I just looked at my COO and the chief and said, like, I'm so sorry. And he said, he was laughing, shaking his head, saying, no, 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 that was the meeting. That's the best nice. meeting we've had in two weeks. Wow. Right. Anyway, meetings ended. I couldn't stop weeping for three days. It was like Orla to live. Something had been ripped off my heart and I felt raw in my heart, which I'd never felt before. And what, what, why do you think that was? What was it that he said that made you feel that way? He got to the raw nerve. Mm-hmm the deep, raw nerve of what I was really grappling with and what now looking back, this was the test that changed everything because you said what changed. Yeah. This was the test that God knew. This guy didn't know. God used this guy, right? He created a set of circumstances with enough pressure on it because if it was just me and a friend talking like that, it wouldn't have carried as much gravity. Mm -hmm. So Hashem set the whole thing up perfectly to know exactly what my core issue was, right? to what needed to shift, which I didn't know. I didn't know that that's what needed to shift. I knew I was wrestling with it, but so does everyone. I didn't know this was what Hashem was waiting for in me, and I don't think this is what Hashem's waiting for in every person. I don't. This, for me, was the test. Right. For everyone else, they have their own test, their own timing, their own tikkun, their own. So you can't say this is the thing you have to do. I can't say that. And Well, I, don't we all need to surrender? We do, but Hashem is not necessarily waiting for a specific level of surrender from every person before they get married. Right. Absolutely not. We I'm, I'm saying in general. I didn't know this is what somehow, it's like I have a strong will and on some level me not being able to give in to that and not being able to give Hashem my will. Mm-hmm. Like when we make our will like Hashem's will, He makes His will like our will. Right. But he, he was waiting for me on some level to do that in this situation, yeah. I think, in, in, in retrospect. I couldn't have known that in advance. If he didn't actually ask you the question that you're saying we all shouldn't ask. <laughs> yes, but that was for me personally because right. I could, on some level, I couldn't handle it, but I could handle it. Right. And other people can't handle it, so right. Shem won't test them in that right. area. Right. So, and you see there's plenty of dysfunctional people that get married. Mm-hmm. Whether they're happy or not, I don't know. So, we can't say that it's a prerequisite to get married is you have to have a certain level of wholeness or healing or right. surrender. Or Otherwise people won't get married. That, it's just not real. Hashem makes his decision based on you. Yeah. And I think that that's important. For no, because often people will say, I can't get married yet because I haven't found myself yet. I don't no, know myself nonsense. yet. Yeah. Nonsense. You've got to keep working on yourself, but you right. can't put conditions on what Hashem's doing. Right. So I walked out of there. I was crying for three days because it really made me reflect and it helped me access. Hashem was smart. So smart. He helped. He created a situation where my heart was accessible to me in a different level. I couldn't access this level of realness in myself, uh, as in 
rawness, I should say, not realness. And I actually happened to be going to my rabbis that week for uh, Shabbat. And, you know, sometimes when you're in people that are bigger than you in their presence, as you know, Mm -hmm. you access yourself also more deeply. Mm -hmm. So I did a meditation, which I highly, highly recommend that people meditate and introspect and do his bodhidus and all sorts of things. And I was meditating and I said, yeah, why can't I accept? Why? Like really asked myself, honestly, without judgment, you can only access your own inner wisdom if you don't judge yourself. It's a big claw, big principle that I work with now. And as soon as people really get that, everything opens up inside of them. But don't you find if you're asking yourself questions about you, you are judging yourself because you're asking yourself a question. You're kind of like seeing yourself from the outside when you're asking yourself Maybe that that's question. Maybe like curiosity. I would imagine yeah, curiosity. Versus not judgment. Judge, right. judgment, I mean judge, judging negatively. Right, Like, okay. oh, I don't want it to be that. Right. It can't be that. Or what if it's that? I'm going to, uh-oh. No, just like curiosity. Compassionate curiosity is the ideal state. Mm-hmm. Be compassionately curious. Like, yeah, like, why can't I accept? I see Hashem in every area of my life. I know he loves me. I really did have a strong relationship with Hashem. And I built it up and I saw. So why in this area... When I feel betrayed, and that's really what I would have felt inside, I felt betrayed that I'd become observant in my 30s. And I was all I was doing every day was returning Hashem's children to him through Kiru. So you were not observant till you were 30? Nothing. My father was a Holocaust survivor. I grew up in Sydney, jumping around with the kangaroos, very few Jewish community there. That's probably why my father went there, because it was safe, you know. And uh, I, I didn't really have a Jewish friend growing up. So I came from Gullus Sheba Gullus, right? And here I was now in Israel and I had the opportunity and privilege to become observant and do this. And I was, uh, felt betrayed because I was left alone. And in that moment, though, when I was meditating, I said, why can't I accept this from Hashem? And up came a little voice, which is usually from the soul, right? There's still a small voice called the Mamadaka, right? Still a small voice comes from the Shama. And that's the soul that said, because you feel like a failure if you're single. And if you don't get married, you're going to judge yourself as a failure. That's why you can't handle this whole thing from a shim. It's I'm judging myself. And I was like, oh, I'm judging myself as a failure and I'm blaming a shim for it. And I was like, whoa, I, that sounds so obvious when I say it, but to really realize that inside, it was such an epiphany of like, I am never doing that again. I'm not doing that again. I don't need marriage to make me feel worthy or to make me feel good, which is what I feel a lot of singles feel. They do not feel worthy or good or okay unless they're married. Marriage is something we want to build something bigger, but it's not the defining element of who I am. And on some level that I got confused because I think in the Jewish world it's such a value and Mm -hmm. so much pressure and so much judgment and people look at you differently. I come from television with a million viewers where I walked into a room and people were like, oh, you're on the Today Show? Oh. And like all of a sudden, you know, and that was so good to walk away from that because that is not who you are either. That's just arrogance and cover. And yet there was like this degradation now that I experienced. It's like you're subpar. It, it was very interesting. So you went from this high feeling yeah, all empowered in that way and then feeling the opposite. I had to rebuild myself from the inside, which was now the biggest gift. 
That's, that's really great. interesting. In the because I, I agree with you. Like sometimes in the tight knit, especially from communities, if someone's not married and they're a little bit older, it is like often viewed as oh, you, oh, but she's not married yet. Oh, but she needs a shidduch. Like it's not a good thing, and that's a hard thing to to live with. You know, in in a community where everybody around you is is meeting a certain milestone. What even if it's not marriage? If it's something else, or having kids, or getting certain promotions, or jobs that they want that other people are getting. And so, so how do you like? How would you balance this desire? you know, to, to get those things with, or how did you do it with it, with a sense of bitachan and contentment with where things are? So there's two differences. One difference, key difference, which is I don't need anything external to feel that I'm worthy uh, as a person. I don't need anything external. I don't need a job. I don't need a family. I don't need marriage to make me feel that I'm good, essentially good and okay. When I say okay, I mean I'm intrinsically worthy right? Which is what's happening is that I'm not worthy. I'm not okay. If I'm not married, that's by far, ask the singles, write in guys, post in, you know, um, and, and the really, it works the other way around when I feel good and okay and loving towards myself, then I'm going to attract a fantastic or be open to receive a fantastic man or a woman like as my spouse. And that's when also Hashem can give that to us and receive it as a blessing, right? We have to be an open Kaylee, a vessel, and if we're broken inside because we don't feel worthy and it's God's not looking at us like that, but we're looking at ourselves like that, we stand in our own way. And often these belief systems come from the past, from childhood in some form, doesn't even have to be an extremely negative experience. And then it's exacerbated by the current situation of being single and it feeds into it. So you get all these singles who just like, it's just, I'm a nebach, I'm a loser, I, you know, I, I, Obviously, there's something wrong with me. And that's what happened, by the way. I started a class when I, once I got married, just circling back to finish that conversation, I started a class called There's Nothing Wrong With You. And hundreds of singles came and I was blown away because we didn't really advertise. And people were turning off the cameras halfway through. And I thought, oh, they're bored. They're on email. And I got 30 emails after that saying we were bawling our eyes out because no one speaks to us this way. Wow. And I was like, oh, there's a real need. Because most people generally who work with singles didn't go through that test themselves necessarily. And I really get it from the inside. Yeah. And so that's, that was why I went into a full-time. I'm doing a full-time now. But what happened after this meeting, when I was after the meditation, and I said, why can't I trust Hashem? I'm going to judge myself as a failure. I made a decision there and then. And I said, I'm never going to do this again. I'm like, I'm not making myself less than because I'm not married. I'm just not doing it. I'm not buying in to that whole thing. It's just not true. That's the clarity that I think that came out of that meeting. And I remember standing in tefillah and prayer that day saying, Hashem, this is not what I want. Single, this is not what I want. In fact, it will break my heart if I end up single. I can still access the pain. It will break my heart. I just remember this feeling. I really thought for many years I'll be single. But if it's what you want for some reason because it's a bigger picture and I can't see it, then I'll do my best to work with it. That was the best version of acceptance I could come to. And I really felt like I accepted, like, whatever you want, Hashem, which is what we're meant to be, whatever you want, Hashem. Even this, even this, even this worst-case scenario, which we're all also facing now with Kali Israel. We follow you. You have the bigger picture. We don't. Doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. In fact, it looks completely opposite. How could I give up everything, become observant, help your children, and I'm just left here alone? How? But I accept. 
I'll work with it. And the next day, my husband was suggested. Wow. The next day. The next day. The next day, like that CEO said, watch what happens when you accept now. I want to make a disclaimer. This is not like some story. Oh, just do this and it will happen. That's not what this is about. I don't know everyone's journey, but I know that Hashem wants our acceptance. I know that's, that's the avoda always in the darkness. When we're everywhere in the dark, it's to accept. That not to accept and not do the effort. I want to make a disclaimer. It's not about not doing effort to change and grow. But it's this, that this is where I need to be right now. And I accept this is where you've chosen me to be, even though it's not where I want to be. You don't have to pretend, right? No Bruch Hashem syndrome. Like, Bruch Hashem, I'm single. Bruch Hashem. You don't have to do that. Like, just because you think that's what you should do. You, you can accept that it's difficult, but yes. you're surrendering to that this is the will of Hashem right now. You hold both. We're very complex creatures and you can hold the paradox. On the one hand, I'm heartbroken, which is what we're all in right now. On the other hand, I trust you know what you're doing and I don't. And I, this doesn't make any sense to me. You don't have to pretend it makes sense. So on the, there's the one hand, the, the, heart, the heartbrokenness and the pain, and the other hand is the trust in Hashem. But that trust also comes with having to feel whole inside and having to feel a certain sense of joy and confidence, correct? I'm saying if you, you need to have that in order to surrender. Yes, in order to surrender, you need to have enough of yourself to lose yourself, to let go of yourself, to let go of the ego. And that's really, if I can keep tying, I know it's weird to keep talking about dating and tying it back into the current situation, but that's really what we're being forced to do. Right now with Klal Yisrael and the situation with the war, it's much more urgent and it's life and death, which dating is not. But we're being called upon to surrender our ego what does that mean? We're not called upon, yes, trust God, God is good. Okay, how can I possibly think this is good? I can't. So what am I being called upon to do in the spiritual war? I'm being called upon to surrender my ego. It doesn't have to make sense to me. I have no clue why this is happening. I don't know, but you know. And I trust that you have the bigger picture, Hashem. That we're being, we're being forced to sit in the not knowing and trust in the dark. That's what we're being forced to do. All of us, everyone, no matter where you're at. And, and that's what we're being confronted with. It's rattling our cage. Hashem wants that from us now. It's this theme. So I happened to face it with my dating, and now I'm facing it with triggering all my Holocaust stuff. You know, my dad was a Holocaust survivor, so I have it all inside of me, and now it's triggering that. And I'm working really hard all day, you know, whenever I feel the panic. Nope. I'm coming back to Hashem. I'm relying on Hashem. Hashem, I'm, I'm, and I do meditations and visualizations to help people connect to that, which we can do a little bit of. So do you want to do one of those meditations? Do you? I do. I just want to ask you okay. one question. Sometimes I think people um, really don't understand, the dis- they don't have the distinction between surrender and giving up. And so, yes, and so can you talk about, like, how do we differentiate between, okay, I'm done with this, Hashem, I'm going to let you do your thing. And uh, I'll just carry on through my day versus surrender, but with hishtadlus. Giving up versus surrendering. Giving up versus surrendering. Giving up is like sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Just giving up and just going all the way down. Surrender is like lying on your back and going with the flow of the way the water's going. That's a good analogy. I like that. Right. So giving up is despair, forbidden, because it's like God's not in the picture. Surrender is, I'm letting you lead, 
Mm. And I'm going to do my effort, but I know the outcome's completely up to you. It has nothing to do with me, and I don't have access to the bigger picture. So we have to zoom out and know that there's a much bigger picture, which we're, it's really hard for us to do that. We stay focused on what is. I mean, talking to myself here. Yeah. And we have to zoom out and know that there's a bigger picture, and this is not the end of the story. Right. Once you, if you, if you keep remembering, it's not the end of the story. I'm in the middle of the story. Megillus Esther. This is it. We're in it, guys. We're in Megillus Esther. Right. The whole story of Purim in the darkness, and every step looked absolutely terrible for the Jews, and the whole thing flipped at the end because it all became a revelation. We're going to see it with the Hamas tunnels, and we're going to see the whole thing. Right. Something's going to happen. We, we've seen little hints like this already, but it's it's going to happen. It's coming. But we right now we can direct how it comes about. And that's what Esther did in the Purim story. They fasted, they unified, they came together, right? They, they, they did a whole lot of stuff that created the vessel for Hashem to bring the Yeshua. And I guess that's the only thing I want to point out here is that I, I've been reading a lot, trying to learn for myself, my own chizik, right, that about anxiety. And I heard some unbelievable hops on anxiety. That anxiety itself, sometimes itself, is the kapara, right, for the kapara is like the, the atonement that we, the anxiety is the suffering enough that we don't need to go through more evil kind of decrees. It itself wipes it out. You know, so sometimes Hashem will create things like that we feel anxious about. Um, I think this was the Steichler that said this, uh, that we cre- Hashem will create situations we feel anxious about because that anxiety itself will annul any kind of evil decree. That itself is that is it motivates us to do tshuva, to look within, to introspect, to change things, to unify. Which you see is exactly what's happening. Well, it's it's almost like what Ida's saying. What is the difference between giving up and and surrender? Sometimes we need to get to that place of almost giving up in order to get in order to surrender. You know, like, your ego needs to be squeezed. So yeah. you see, you have no power, and you're left. about to give up, but then you say, okay. The only way to get to that place is to almost give up. Right, right. To be squid. Well, Hashem is stripping us right now to show us there is absolutely nothing we can rely on except Hashem. Which right now, already, you see that Hashem is saying there's nothing. There's no way to turn. Just the army, the governments, the police, whatever. There's nothing to rely on. It's like, by the way, I think we were tested with that and it's sort of primed in COVID with this. COVID did this a little bit. It changed all of our lives suddenly rattled our cage and nothing was reliable. Doctors, government, nothing was reliable anymore. Everything started shaking. And it was like, that was a prime. I feel like warming us up for this on some level. And now this is the next level of like, there's nowhere but Hashem. He's preparing us for Mashiach. It's very, very clear, clear, right? That this is, the world is going to be forced to choose a side, it says in the Torah. Like we see that there's good and evil and there's a battle going on. So we're being forced to do that. And we're being forced to turn to Hashem and being Rely on Hashem in the heart. You can't fake it. You cannot fake. So say we, so say we get to a place of surrender, uh, and then we, and then we're doing our part as well. It's sort of like we're floating with the with the with the waves. Uh, you mentioned earlier the eighty twenty, um, meaning that you said the eighty percent is unconscious, twenty percent is conscious. How do you understand that? Like, well, let's say we do surrender, and now it's it's up to us. How do we develop self trust to? to know how to navigate or like I, what's the role of the unconscious also? Like I want to understand how we access that. How do we access it? And didn't you say like the trust has the wholeness and the trust of within ourselves has to come before, should come before surrender in order to surrender. You don't have to have perfect self-trust, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to be relatively connected in yourself in order to navigate anything. 
So whether it's who you're going to marry or whether it's what's going on right now, you have to be aware of a certain level of emotional and spiritual intelligence to be able to even get through this, I think. And that means being aware of your thoughts, that you're not your thoughts. Your thoughts are like a wave. They come through you. You aren't what you think. You aren't what you think. Well, you are where your thoughts are. So your thoughts can take you somewhere as far as how you feel and how you experience life. But you aren't, you aren't your thoughts, right? You are the observer, which is the soul. The soul is not your thoughts. Your thoughts is just a thing. You don't have to react to a thought. You don't have to respond to a thought. It's for sure not reality. Many people don't know that. So that's the first step, mm-hmm. being aware that there's some part of you that is not your thoughts, right, which is what, again, I do with the people I work with. We do an observer kind of mode meditation with people who meditate know all about this, people who don't think what is this she's talking about. Uh, and then the second thing is to be in tune with your body. So a lot of the times, a lot of therapists, a lot of coaches, most work at the cognitive level, mm-hmm. at the thought level, which is helpful. It's a part of who we are. Right. You can get insight. You can have understanding. Through that aha, you can change stuff, you know. But a lot of the time, because 80% is the subconscious, if you don't know how or if you have deeper things you need to shift, like your, your belief systems, they won't shift, even though you know that it's not healthy or not happening or not right for you to think that way. So I get most of my people come to me and say, Jackie, I know what my issues are. I know where they come from. I know why they're there. I've done therapy. I can't change how I feel. I can't change how I feel. I still feel. I know I need more self-worth. I know I need more self-acceptance. I know I need need to trust myself more. I know I need to be able to set boundaries. I can't change how I feel when it comes to that. Let's say a people pleaser, many women, right? I'm scared of people pleasing as a type of control. Did you notice? It's a type of control, right? Meaning I'm so scared of conflict because of what I experienced maybe that I'll I'll do what everyone wants to keep the peace. So it's a type of control because I'm scared. It feels scary. If I actually speak up and say, I don't like that, or I don't want that, or I prefer something different. And so then what it's only going to change is that person knows how to deal with that fear that comes up when she speaks up, let's say, or someone can override that fear and do it anyway, just feel scared inside, but that's exhausting after a while. So you have to be able to get to that root belief system that to speak up is not safe or to ask for what I need is going to be, there's no point, right? A lot of people say if they have even busy, a lot of kids at home. If you're a middle child and lots are going on, you might feel like I just go with the flow because that's easier for everyone, right? So, so you have to be able to, to tap into that. So, and, and through doing that, we become more whole. And how would you tap into that? That's the whole process. We right, that's the process. The body. That's through the somatic work right. that I do, through the body, because the, the subconscious expresses through the body. Right. Right, the subconscious belief systems will tell you that they're there through the sensations and feelings we experience in the body. Most people, if they're not aware of that or not connected, will dismiss it, will ignore themselves, right? There's three key ways we reject ourselves. We just don't want to know about that body level. One is judgment. We talked about already. Oh, my gosh, that's so stupid. Why am I feeling that way, right? The other is repression or suppression. I don't even want to feel that, so I'm just going to swallow it down, which we need to do sometimes for work and whatever. Compartmentalize, just swallow it. And the third is uh, escape. So we, we have a feeling we don't like it. Give me the Ben and Jerry's. Give me the, the Netflix. Give me the whatever, shopping, the workaholism, the gym, food. We want to escape. So that's fine, again, for a period of time, but you don't want to live there. So right. escape, judgment, and repression mm-hmm. right, are the three key ways we reject ourselves. As long as you reject yourself, you're stuck. 
As long as you reject yourself, you're stuck. If you just keep in a pattern of self-rejection, you cannot grow. You're going to stay stuck as that whatever brokenness you have. And so that's why acceptance is let me be curious. Let me look at what am I feeling? Where is that in my body? I want to know more. Tell me more about it. And you can have dialogues with the body and with parts of the body that actually store this issue from the subconscious. And then that's the way you access your subconscious is through the physical body. So let's say someone has a knot in their stomach. Every time they date, they go on a date, they get this big knot. Right? I have one client right now who always says this heaviness in her chest. Great, let's work with the heaviness in the chest. So I want you to close your eyes, I tell her, and I want you to take your attention to the chest, put your hand there, because when you put your hand there, it's easier to feel. And I want you to talk to that heaviness as if it's another person, right? Like literally like it's a different person. I had a client, and every time she'd go out on a date, she would feel this heaviness in her chest, this deep sense of constriction. Every single time, she said, I don't, and it's nearly crippling for her. So she'd have to fight it, and she, who knows what. And so I said, let's talk to it. So she closed her eyes and she said, I said, thank you for being here. She's like, what? I have to say thank you for being here. Yes, you have to say thank you. I want to welcome this in, this, this heaviness. But I don't want to. I don't like it. I know, but we want to talk to it. We want to understand it better. It's coming from a different part of your brain you can't access. So she closes her eyes. She takes her attention to the chest and she says, thank you for being here. You can be here as long as you want. I want to know more. Right? So you're giving full permission, acceptance. Tell me more. And then I said, well, what's this heaviness like? Let's describe it. So now you're accessing someone's observer mode. I'm going to describe it. I'm not it, right? I'm yeah, not it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not the constriction. Right. Now I'm somewhere else observing it and describing. So already going to observer mode, which is a soul mode, higher self. Well, it's, it's how big is it? Oh, it's 10 centimeters. Great. Let's get some dimensions around it. How deep does it go? What color would it be, right? What texture is it? Is it like a weight or a stone? Or is it more like rubber? Or is it more like uh, wood? Oh, it's more like rubber. Okay, great. So we describe it. We accept it. We allow it to be there. You could even rank it one to 10, 10 being overwhelming, one being not there at all. What is it right now? And she does all of that. And she says, okay, if this constriction could speak, I said, I know this is going to sound weird, but if it could speak and it had words, lips, tongue, and a mouth, and it could literally speak out of the constriction, what would it say that it's expressing itself? What would be the feeling? I feel what? So she's like tuning in. I feel scared. I said, oh, thank you so much. Tell her thank you so much for telling me. It makes sense you're scared. Validation. Acceptance, then validation. You have to validate. Of course it makes sense as part of you that's scared, even though a date we know is not life and death. This part of her that feels really scared of a date. Now, if you say, oh, that's so stupid, there's nothing going to happen to me here, that's what we do, rationalize, Mm -hmm. and then we suppress the feeling. Instead, she says, okay, that makes sense, you're scared. The chest is responding to her. Ah, you're going to accept me. The higher self is accepting the lower self. What are you most scared about? And that comes rejection. Just the word rejection. Now she's in touch with it. Her awareness is here, not here. And you start to be able to watch when a person's awareness goes back to the head. Well, I think it's that, that, no, 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 you're in your head right now. Bring it back down to the chest. Just notice what it was like when you were in your head and now bring your attention back to the chest and ask the chest, what are you most scared of? Rejection. Boom, pops into your head straight away. Ah, that makes sense. 
Where else have you felt this fear of rejection or felt rejected? And she said, oh, the stupidest thing came up. I can't be that. It's not that. No, 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 it's that. What was the first thing that popped up? Well, it was so silly. I, I was three and I have cousins. And when I went to my cousin's house, like I was learning to be like toilet trained or I was two or something and I was, I was practicing being toilet trained. I remember I forgot to put on my underwear and my cousins all made fun of me. And I felt completely ashamed and rejected. She said, it's so embarrassing. This is so stupid. I haven't thought about this for decades. This is crazy. Right, but it's been sitting in your subconscious that when you had a group of people outside your family, your cousins, and you went and you were young and impressionable and something happened where you messed up and you were judged and rejected and felt shamed. Now, every time you want to go out for a potential intimacy, which is, is tapping into that core part of you, the biggest fear is coming up here that I'm going to be rejected again because somehow you shut yourself down and protected yourself against that. So this is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah, I felt so judged. And every time I went to see those cousins, I felt this way and it was repetitive for her. Again, one-off incidences usually don't form us unless they're traumatic. But this was traumatic for her. And so when she sort of realized that, and then she, we did an inner child process around that of really protecting that little inner child and saying she's good and she's lovable no matter what. And the higher self is going to be there for her no matter what, which has been the healing that needs to happen. She felt completely different. It turns out that in about five weeks after that, she met her husband in my course and she had very, very subtle, she didn't have that heaviness anymore. She had a little bit of something, but not, not, it wasn't, it wasn't this constriction. And she, she was big on some level. Her heart was closed. Her heart was saying, no, I'm, I'm protecting myself. Now she had the best dating coaches in the world and therapists telling her all the right things to do, but you see that had nothing to do. I couldn't access it. And so that's what we want to be able to do. So that's why I think more, I'm more like a dating surgeon <laughs> than a dating coach, but I don't use the, no one wants surgery, so I can't really call myself that. But like, it really is Sometimes like, you need it. Sometimes you need yeah. it. Getting to the, Get to the root. And this is a normal, healthy person. This is right. not someone with a mental health issue or mental illness. A normal, healthy person that just had, again, this was an innocent thing with kids, but these things are formative. Zero to three particularly is formative, but anywhere in childhood, we've developed belief systems, even with the most loving parents. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel good enough. I can't. And then people feel guilty saying that because they have loving parents, right? No, it's not a, it's not an accusation or a blame against anything. It's not about blame. Blame's another one that keeps us stuck. By the way, I added a fourth one to that list, yeah. <laughs> right? Blaming others blaming or others. blaming myself. Blaming yourself. Yeah. Keeps you stuck. So we want to go in with that openness, compassion, curiosity, and I guess hope, hopefully outlining the process for people. If some people are self-aware, they can apply that themselves a little bit more deeply. Uh, but I will give a guide for everyone at the end of the podcast, they can find it uh, at jackieglazer.com slash inside out. I'll put a guide there so you don't have to all scramble to, to write this down. I'll put a guide how to do what I'm talking about. So that's that's great. Yeah. So, so it's a meditation, you would call it. It's an inner process of visualization, but it's very active. Meditation conjures up the whole like, oh, like just sitting there, peaceful mm-hmm. breathing. It's not meditation. It's like a, an active inner guided visualization where right. you're connecting with parts of you. Right. What happens if you have the right thought? Like your thought is, I, I believe that Hashem has a plan, but you're not feeling it in your body. That's what I'm talking about. It's the disconnect between the higher self has one access to reality. And no, but sometimes self. we have negative thoughts. I'm That's not true. good enough. But yes. let's say you have a positive thought, but you're not actually connecting it with your body. Yes. You have to deal with the block. It's called a block, a block in the subconscious that's existing on a different plane 
and it needs to align and be congruent with what you're Mm -hmm. thinking. And that's why you can do all the cognitive work and have all the cognitive correct, but the feeling is reflecting something else. And you're like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Well, it's, you know, let's say this is, this is, um, a global example, many people experiencing this, that like someone just told me before I came here, I, I believe that Hashem has a plan, but my body doesn't feel good. Yes. So that's a different story. So that's more about imagine a child who's scared and a child can't understand the bigger story. The goof that we have, the body, is like a child, right? The Gamora actually says it's very much a child consciousness and there is a consciousness in the body separately. And we need to be able to parent this child with the higher part that can access the bigger picture. Often our body is very practical, physical, here, now, tangible, and it needs reassurance. And what we don't realize, what people don't realize, is that we have a lot of impact on how our body feels without realizing it. So how you speak to yourself from that higher self, see that the higher self you're talking about is just thinking, I'm thinking positive thoughts, Hashem has a plan. But often the person is not directing that higher process to themselves. So it's, it's kind of like bringing heaven down to earth and bringing yes. earth up to heaven. Yeah. Correct. And it's three levels of awareness. I call it three frames of reference. You have to be aware of Hashem, your higher self, which comes in through the top of the head, and it's the, the soul the intellect is the seat of the soul, right? The soul comes in, the neshama comes in, and your body, which is your lower self. You have to have three points of reference, and when you're aligned with all three, then you can start moving more into your vessel, your wholeness, your bigness, right? And then you can see where am I blocked, where am I feeling my fears, where am I, where am I holding myself back? Unfortunately, a lot of people give power to the fears in the body to make decisions for them, right? They'll, they'll feel fear, and that fear will be the deciding factor of something. Right. We don't want that. We want to make the decision from our higher self, not our lower self. So right. the question is, what can you do? And this is where we, we can access this neshama guf dialogue, a soul-body dialogue where we have a conversation with ourselves. Hashem's there and we know Hashem's there and we say, okay, Hashem is right here right now, but right now I'm going to talk to my body. Rav Volba, Rav Volba used to say, if you want to see what sort of parent someone will be in the future, you see how they parent this kid, <laughs> your inner goof, your, your inner child, right? And this is where the psychologists get the term inner child from. They think it's a psychological state that we pop in and out of. But from a Torah perspective, we see it as two separate briyas, two separate creations. The soul is one creation, the body is another creation, and they're interwoven into one being, and they separate at death. And they have different consciousness. They have different consciousness, different profiles, different things that draw us, right? Soul is long-term, body is now. We all know this, right? We've studied this usually. So you have to be able to have that relationship. That's the first part that we have to connect with is ourselves. Right. And to build our vessel. So like when you started out and you said that, you know, what got you to actually get married was by surrendering. So you need to lose yourself, but you also need to stay grounded. Like you need to lose, you got to lose yourself, but yet at the same time, you need to bring yourself back into your body. Yes. You need to be with yourself and then be able to surrender that sense of self to something bigger, I guess is the best way to put it or one way to put it. The difference is... It's Hasidus, you know. We, yes, we, we have this philosophy, bringing he- I mean, it's bringing heaven down to earth. It's making yes. a dira b'tachtanim, which is revealing Hashem's light in the material world. So we're kind of like bringing out our best selves from within our bodies. We have to be a, a strong enough in the sense of ego to be, be able to lose the ego. So you have to know where in yourself to strengthen and develop. Some people need strengthening and developing. And the danger comes when we always rely on Torah as the blueprint but we're not there yet. So let's say the idea of 
I've got to just trust in Hashem. Of course we do, but that doesn't replace or exchange the work I do with myself in self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence, right? Self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence is part of the building block of what makes a human a human or a Jew a Jew. So we need to build that up first, right? And, and no amount of trusting in Hashem will replace, will, will make me necessarily feel different about me. I have to do that work as well. That's part of tikkun, right? So I, have to, I might need to do that for my own, but people don't realize. Right. They don't realize that it's different work. And you have to build the vessel with yourself and you have to build your relationship with Hashem, two separate things. And together, that's what creates the vessel and allows Hashem to give to us. He wants us to be partners. He let us become uh, our own person to build a vessel to receive, right? You have to open your hands and then I will satisfy the desire of every living thing. So what does open your hands mean? It means I have to be a vessel. So I have to build myself. Right? Hashem's course is going to help and he's in charge of everything. But that self-worth and self-esteem and self-trust and knowing yourself, that's, that's my mitzvah to do with myself. Right? And I think that there's, it's not focused on so much in the Jewish observant world. It's more about chesed and others and more about Hashem, which, of course, they're important. But you have to build yourself. You have to be home. The more you can be home in yourself. Be, as a vessel, be at peace with yourself. Peace, acceptance. Uh, you know, there's an, there's an idea right now of we're in Golis, obviously we're in the darkness and we have, uh, we have been now for sure excommunicated. It seems right. Like from, from a lot of the world, we do the same thing on a micro level inside of ourselves. So what's happening on a macro level is happening on a micro level. And that's part of the tikkun that's going on that just like we have to unify with the Jewish people. We have to go and help, and even the people we normally might judge, we're now making an attempt to not judge and to, like, see favorably. We have to do that same exact process internally at the same time. There's parts of ourselves that we put into Gullus, exile. We, I don't want to know about you. I, I, I'm pretending I don't have that part of myself because I'm going to judge it and feel embarrassed. To myself, I'm going to push it out. I'm going to be in exile internally. And tshuva, real tshuva, coming back and unifying with yourself is going back and reclaiming all those parts that we've ignored, suppressed, pushed away, don't want to deal with. It happened in the past. It's not, a, it's not here now. Yes, it is here now. It's playing out in your body, right? So go back and reclaim those parts. Be curious about those parts. Come in with a different approach. Judge yourself favorably. And when you do that, you build a sense of security inside. Even just that shift in attitude will change you inside. And then you'll be able to judge others more favorably. It, it's all a mirror. The Talmud says we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. Right. So, so maybe if we don't hide our flaws, if we don't hide ourselves, if, we, if we're more open about it within ourselves um, and accepting, then that reflects in Hashem, our relationship with Him and, yes. how, and Him reflecting back on us. That's another level, Rivka. You're going even higher, which I, I project everything I'm experiencing onto Hashem even. Right? People don't realize this, but often their relationship with the opposite sex parent they'll put on the shem. So if you have if you had a critical parent, you think a shem's criticizing you all the time. If you had a very lax parent with no boundaries, the your shemim's a bit harder. Right? I know people like this, right? Like who I, I learn from them because I'm more the critical one, right? So so it's like, oh, Hashem loves me no matter what. I, you know, like so there's a balance, but we have to own our projections. Own our projections that we project onto the world, onto your dates onto your friends, and onto Hashem. We project. 
have a look at what you think Hashem's narrative is towards you and you'll think, who does that sound like? Right, we project it on like a authority figures basically. So if you had a scary teacher or, you know, mom or whatever your relationship with it, you ask your friends how they relate to Hashem and you'll find that people relate to Hashem very differently in, in how they perceive, how Hashem responds to them. And we have to update our files because Hashem is like the most loving parent. He loves you more than your parents do. And yet at the same time, he knows the right boundaries and he's firm. You know, we can't just get away with anything. There's an accountability, but not from a place of punitive, harsh judgment. Now, it's very hard for us to say that right now because we're seeing a lot of harsh judgment come into the world. But he's still the loving father. We just don't have the whole picture. And I guess the only way that I can reconcile some of that in myself on any level, even though we absolutely don't know what's going on, is imagining a a parent taking a kid to to get surgery. And it's not fun. It's extremely painful and a kid has no capacity to understand the bigger picture and yet that kid's looking at mom and dad and they're taking him or her to get a, to get a, a surgery. And the only way that kid goes along with it is because they have so much experience of the parent loving them at every other moment that on some level this has to happen even though they're sad and they're crying and it hurts. I think that's where we're at. It's, we're sad and we're crying and it hurts and we don't understand but we have enough experience with Hashem to know that he loves us so much and it's going to lead us to a better place, you know, and we don't know. You know, I heard a crazy story on Shabbos. Can I tell you a quick story? Yes. Crazy, crazy story where one of the the people who died in the rave was a kid who grew up really from and he went off to Derek and he was exploring. He was on his own journey and his dad was a big rabbi and the dad was sitting shiva, and the dad was distraught because obviously not at the shiva before when he heard he died, he was distraught because he said he, he, he's not come back, he's not connected, who knows where he's at, he's in the middle of his own journey. And at the shiva, his old Rosh Hashiva came. Again, I heard this from, there was two different uh, people heard this directly from, from them. And his old Rosh Hashiva came and said to pay respects, and the father said, don't worry. He said, I had a dream. My son came to me in the dream after he died at this party. And he said, Abba, you don't have to worry. He said, everyone said Shema when we died. And everyone, I did Shuva to Abba, I did Shuva. And I'm learning with Hashem all day. You don't have to worry. I know. And this father felt very, very comforted. He said it was vivid and he was okay. So we we don't know. We see it from our perspective. We don't know the other. It, people here are, are hurting more than the people who died, right? We, that, I believe, yeah. is a kid to Shashem, they died. But we don't know. In, in this world, we have all the questions. In the next world, we have they, all the answers. Yes. And that was so nice that the son came back to reassure the father. They comfort that way. But we don't know. So if someone is in an environment that they feel makes them uncomfortable, whether it's in dating or in... Um, amongst friends, and they feel the sense of discomfort, let's say the heaviness in their chest. How do you differentiate? Like, how, how do you know if it's, well, no, there's something within the environment that's maybe toxic, I need to remove myself, let's say dating the wrong person, versus is there something within me that's being triggered from my childhood that is causing me to feel this way? Great question. Great question. And a really common question. So if it's a one-off, meaning it's not a pattern. One, The first clue is, is it a pattern? Okay. First thing I ask, what's your pattern in dating? If someone gets on the phone with me, I'll say, what's your pattern in dating? But if it's not a pattern, 
and you walk in somewhere and you're uncomfortable, I would leave if, if you really felt uncomfortable. If it's, if it's a pattern that you, const- you feel this way regularly, you can be pretty sure it's, it's part of you because you're the common denominator of that mm-hmm. pattern. Right. Right. So number one is obviously externally, is there any possibility I might not be safe here is the first question. And the scary thing is I, I read a statistic that uh, I think it was some crazy 90-something percent of women who were assaulted had a sense that something was wrong and they ignored it. That's why I'm saying that. Mm-hmm. Because if you, they just say, oh, I'll be fine. It's okay. They ignored it. And they said that they ignored it. They had a sense something was off, not okay, but they thought they were being silly. Again, they were judging themselves. So if in that situation when there's, when there's nothing else going on and you just feel uncomfortable, listen to it. And even if it's other people don't feel uncomfortable and you do, you also, that's also valid, you know. So that's number one. Number two is when it's about a date and you know the person you're going out with and uh, you want to you be curious and ask that sensation. You know, if you could speak, what would you say? What are you most anxious about? What are you most nervous about? If it's something they're doing, they're doing this and it makes me uncomfortable, then actually ask them to stop or ask for something different or that's where it's important. So again, if a woman won't do that, she can't trust herself. She won't be aligned with herself. She can't advocate for herself. And that's who creates more anxiety because my body knows that I'm, it's not gonna, I'm not going to listen to it. So the first step is aligning with it yourself and saying, I'm here for you. You're, we're together. I'm not going to reject you. Your, your body is your, your biggest gift that we've been given this lifetime. You have to be connected with it. So that's the first thing, listen to your body. And if they're doing something that, that, that you're not comfortable with, you say, you know what, I really prefer it if X, Y, Z. If they respond, you'll feel safer. If they don't, that's already a red flag. So you do have to interact with the environment. It's not all inside of us. Right. But you have to be able to advocate for yourself and see the response. What about another scenario? What about, um, like, what do you think about the idea of, let's say someone's feeling whole within themselves, you've gotten them to a good place, and they feel confident, and they're like, you know, I want it all. I, I, I feel very strongly that I want the looks I want. I want the smarts. I want the successful kind of person. I want it. I want the whole package. Yeah. Um, and it seems to you from what they're asking that perhaps it's, it, would you tell them, oh, that's realistic or like, should be they tr- trusting their intuition and going ahead with that idea that you can I have it all. That's intuition, But I would say, are you the kind of person that the man or woman of your dreams would want to marry? So yeah, I put it back on them. Right. Right. Are you the kind of person that the man or well, woman of your dreams would want to marry? And if you're, you know, obviously, usually not, uh, meaning there's always work to be done. Right. No if, one's perfect. No one's perfect. And also, uh, I would ask them that. I would say, well, what flaws can you live with? What do you mean? Well, everyone has flaws. You have flaws. They, everyone's going to have flaws. So you have to know a list of flaws you actually can live with that are not deal breakers. Most singles don't think of that. They're like, oh, could, you, could he be messy? What if he's late? What if he's a bit loud? What if he's a bit like uh, passionate but fiery? What if he's, you know, list off a bunch of flaws, lazy. What if he's, you know, what, what could you live with? Everyone's going to have something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so connecting them to reality is really important, you know. But, but the most important thing I think with singles is, is seeing what their patterns are because people have patterns and the patterns is part of your own tikkun. It's a way Hashem is wanting you to become more whole. So let's say someone comes to me and says, I never get dates. There's no good guys out there. I hear a lot, right? 
Okay. So how is it someone else your age in the same city is getting good dates that I know of? It's you. It's not, it's not, there's no good guys out there. You don't need a million guys. You need a few to date and get clear and then marry one. So there's no good guys out there. Okay. So you're getting zero. No one's showing up for you, meaning they're not getting any suggestions. Crickets. Tell me. So how are you not showing up for yourself? Are you really open to getting married? Because if there's part of you subconsciously not open or scared, guess what's going to win? Your subconscious. So you could be consciously going through all the right things and subconsciously is like, uh-uh, hmm. scared, nope. So whatever a person feels is happening to them, you take that experience and look at that within yourself. Yes. And we explore it. I don't know. I don't have the answers. Anyone who says they know why someone's not married is just arrogant. So I want everyone to feel that validated by that because we just don't know. Most of my dating life, my husband was married. So all those years people were diagnosing me as this, 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 too strong, too intimidating, too that, too that. No, my husband was married. You only became available in the last couple of years. We right. knew immediately. We knew I knew on date two. Like, but you had also opened yourself up, like I you say. Grown a lot, so but I also can't. sometimes it is Hashem's will. Someone is amazing. I mean, I'm saying everyone's yeah. amazing in the wrong way, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's not anything. Well, what if these background, what if these voice, like these people telling you, oh, it's this, that's that, it's you. Do you come to a point where you start to believe it, even though it conflicts with your own intuition or, you know, with the work that you did? Let's say you surrender and you said, no, Hashem, I, I want to be married, but if this is what you want for me, then this is what I accept from you. And then at the same time, you're, say, you're hearing people say, oh, but maybe you're too picky. Maybe you're too this. Maybe you're too that. Yeah. How do you balance that? Like, what do you... Yeah, because you were saying if this is your will, but you weren't kind of looking at it, maybe I need to fix something. You oh, were more... I've done a lot of that already. I, would, or I was working on a lot of that already, and I couldn't work out what it was. Right. Because it wasn't that. It was for me, it was the relationship with Right. Shem. But for other people, that might be them. Right. But I was doing all that work. I'd done years and years of that work. I believe the best therapists are the ones that work on themselves. So I always was dedicated to that in myself. Therapy is not, there should not be a stigma around therapy. It is just another level of tikkun and personal growth and development. It does not mean you're mentally ill. You've got to go and do the work with someone who knows how to do it. And ideally someone who can access the subconscious, you know, somatic experiencing, parts therapy, IFS. There's many ways in hypnosis you know, um, any kind of body work stuff, have a, have a look, you know, kinesiology also will access the subconscious. There's a lot of different modalities. Yeah. And lately I feel like there's been a shift more toward our bodies, you know, less cognitive and more somatic. Do you think it all starts in, I mean, we say mind over matter, where would you tell someone to start in their thoughts or in their body? You have to engage the mind to be with the body. Right. So, so you, it starts in the mind. Although I will say when I trained most classically in somatic psychotherapy and I had paid, like clients come in to my practice in Australia, so I would have them like, you know, I had one young girl that's coming to mind now. She was 17. They said she had a kidney infection and uh, they did all the tests. There was no kidney infections. So they couldn't work out what was wrong. Her kidneys were killing her. She was in final year of high school. There was enormous pressure to do well and that this is going to like make or break your life, which of course we know is ridiculous. And she came in. So I got her to lie down on. I had pillows and mats at the time because I was really focused on body work. And she lay down and I talked to her through the mind, but I put a hand under her kidney, her lower back. And as I was talking to her saying, you know, it's okay. All you need to do is your best. I was gently tapping the kidney at the same time, doing directly to the body. So I was saying it's okay to the kidney, which again, people think is like, what are you you're crazy? T- tapping the kidney and just saying, it's okay. You're okay. So you're dealing with both fronts at the same time. 
And as I was doing that and she was starting to breathe and relax and give herself permission just to just to do her best rather than put herself into a pretzel and all of a sudden we both felt the kidney inside the start to pop like this against my hand. Wow. And she said, oh, my gosh, did you feel that? And I said, yeah, did you feel that? And all of a sudden her kidney went from being like this in her back to just relaxing into my hand and all the pain went away immediately. It was, it was unbelievable. So I believe that that was, that was when I started to realize the power of working with the body directly as well as through the mind. You can't, I don't think you can work with the body as directly effectively through the body without engaging the mind. And I, my passion is to teach people how to understand how to operate, just like we're talking today, so they can do it for themselves. That's really my common goal. I, I want people to learn how, and you can. You don't have to be a therapist to learn this. So... Can you tell us a little bit more about your course if someone wants to take it? And then, yeah, we'd like to wrap up with a a tool, a tangible tool that people can take with them. Maybe you want to do a little meditation with us so it becomes more tangible and realistic. Um, Yeah. Okay, so the course I created was so that I could teach people how to apply everything we've discussed here today in their life as a single. And thank God we've seen many people shift They say it's life-changing regardless of being married, actually, because it is. It's investment, as you can see, for life in general. I've actually um, heard that I work with many singles as a matchmaker and a coach, and I've heard that from many people about you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. I only hear positive feedback. It's it's the work changes you. I mean, this has changed me, and uh, it's something I feel I can give back that's not really done so often in the Jewish world. And you mainly work with women. I mainly work with women. If men are open to this work, I'm happy to put a group together. Uh, We don't talk about problems and personal stories. It's about applying these tools and about really seeing the shifts. I've had two people in the current group just get engaged in the group in the middle of the course. We had three weddings last month, and they all attributed to this work. They said, if I hadn't shifted internally, if I hadn't learned how to validate, have clarity, have confidence, have inner peace, be able to show up and be present, feel self-worth and self-trust. These are the, really the five things that you need to be able to date easily and smoothly. Clarity, confidence, inner peace, self-worth, self-trust. And it's usually a lack of one of or two of those five things that are really blocking people. And I help people tap into the subconscious, teach them how to do it for themselves and be able to practice it enough with me over a nine-week period so that they feel confident to do that. And in that nine weeks, they change dramatically. And I very focused on results and giving people results. So that seems to go beyond dating probably too. Do you offer this to people who are yeah. in different stages? You have a of marriage course, right? I have a marriage course because okay. married women said, I want to learn these. Right. right. Imagine, really yeah. We just do it through this, the dating lens because that's what I'm who I'm mainly working with. But I have a married women's course also. Well, it's kind of like a conversation. Whatever you've shared applies to everything, right. you know? Yes. So just looking at someone coming in with a pattern of either no dates or bad dates, or I can go on a good date, but I can't connect deeply. These are the three main patterns that I think singles tend to have. And they're usually directly connected to something that's off in them. Either I'm not open or I'm not being true to myself. So Mm -hmm. I've had two Carla's recently, brides, who weren't really owning what they really wanted because parents wanted something different. Mm -hmm. And when they came to my course and really learned how to validate and own themselves and sort of show up for themselves, guess who showed up? The right guy and they got married. So that kind of mirror happens a lot as well. And not being able to develop a deeper connection when you're dating is a fear of intimacy. Or And then what happens? You get too picky. So the pickiness is a defense mechanism for uh, I'm really scared. If someone's genuinely being too picky. Now, I, I'm nervous to say too picky because I think a lot of singles have valid reasons to say no and they're not respected, which is terrible. And any 
Shatran who is disrespecting you, leave. Walk away. That's not who you need to work with. You don't need to be degraded in the process of dating. So uh, I'm very strong on that because that doesn't help anyone. And yet at the same time, yeah, be yet open, at the same time, what if someone's be open to receiving feedback, yeah, feedback. and mentorship from people you trust and who you know care about you. Mm-hmm. So it's really who you go to. Yeah. You know, you don't have to open yourself up to every bit of advice from every person, yeah. but have your people essentially. Right. But I'd love to share with you a tool, mm-hmm. one of the tools from the course and the things that we practice. Again, it's more practice. Everyone can do this, which allows you to sort of develop a sense of the observer mode of soul mode, mm-hmm. which is the higher self versus the lower self. And what we really want to align with that higher self all the time and be able to have a relationship with the lower self. So let's, you want to? You yeah, want to we'd yeah. love to. Okay. We'd love to. So, and again, at home, if you're listening to this, either audio, video, you can just do, do this along with us. So get comfortable. Yeah, uncross your legs. Okay. So you can feel yourself more clearly. And um, I'll do it with you. So we can close our eyes. Okay. And just notice as you close your eyes where your attention goes. So just notice that you can just get a sense now internally how you're feeling. So which parts are tense, which parts are relaxed, which parts are jittery, what's hot, what's cold. You can just get a sense of that. And as you're sitting here, just take a deep breath into your belly. As you're breathing, your belly goes out. And as you exhale, your belly comes in. Good. And just letting yourself be however you are. So however you are right now is completely okay. However you are, just let yourself be exactly as you are. Part of what prevents us from getting into deeper spaces internally is trying to have an experience. It's trying to be somewhere else other than where we're at. So just let yourself be wherever you're at. If it's tense, it's tense. If it's distracted, it's distracted. I just want you to notice your breathing. Just let your breathing be the same as it is. But I just want you to notice there's another part of you that can watch your breath and observe your breath. So my body's doing the breathing, and there's another part that's observing the breathing. If I was to ask you to count your breath, you could count your breath from this place of observation. So that one, two, and you're observing that as your body's doing the breathing. And as you're doing that, you're just finding it easier and easier to relax more deeply, letting go, choosing to let go of any tension if it would like to. And just imagining what it would be like to be really relaxed right now. And then imagining what it would be like to be twice as relaxed as that. And then taking your attention to the top of your head, but inside your head. Not outside, but inside. And I want you just to say hi. Call yourself by name and say it silently in your head and say hi to your body. So I would say hi, Jackie. You can say it silently. Just go along with it. It feels odd. And as you say hi to yourself, Just wait for a high back in your own voice in your head. You can just say to your body, you're such a good body. 
thank you for being such a good body and getting me around my life. I love you. I want to know more about you. I want to develop a relationship with you that is more kind and curious and compassionate. You can just ask your body what would feel supportive for you today. What's one thing I can do for you that would be supportive? And just hear what pops up in your head straight away without any thought. And right now you can also just shift your focus to realize and remember that Hashem, God, higher power, is right here right now with you personally in the room. But he loves you very much and he's right here. And just notice what you notice in your body when you notice that. Hashem is right here right now with you. He's overseeing everything in your life. He's in control. There's nothing out of his control. It's like you're sitting inside of Hashem's belly, so to speak, even though he doesn't have a belly. We're all inside of him. Just notice what happens in your body. Hashem is right here, right now, with you personally in your room. you very much. So taking that focus from Hashem now and noticing that you can focus on Hashem from the top of your head, but at the same time now you can just pivot your focus from Hashem to back to your body. And just say, what am I feeling in my body? What part of my body wants my attention right now? And it's nearly like a part of your body will either glow or pull your attention there. It's like tug on you a little, me, me, me. Just see which part of your body wants your attention. You can put your hand there. You can say, I'm with you. I want to know more. And then we would, if we had more time, we would go into a dialogue with that part of the body from this place, this higher self place of observation. From this higher self place of observation, we could have a dialogue with it and really look at being there for the different parts of our body, which will create an internal unity, actus connection. There's no part of us that we can't look at. There's no part of us that we can't embrace from this higher place. Even any thoughts that pop up, you just notice them. It's just like a thought. You can observe the thoughts also at this place. If 
from this place we ask Hashem to protect all of the Jewish people that no Jews should be harmed going forward we should see Hashem's hand in everything we should strengthen all of our trust and we should see Mashiach come Amen Wow, I, I, I should have done this in the beginning. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Did you notice? Like, how was it? I noticed that um, my mind was wandering in different directions, mm-hmm. and I had to just kind of bring it back. Mm-hmm. Like the noises out, you know, outside, and like that little kitten that that's outside. But um, yeah, I, I actually started to feel emotional saying hi to myself. <laughs> A lot of people do. Yeah, I was like, oh, that I've never thought of doing that. <laughs> Yeah, two different cre- creations, and they've never had a connection. Yeah, so you can talk to this body now, soul body, anytime, whenever you're nervous. It's also really easy to feel on when you're exercising, because when you're exercising, your body's engaged, and your neshama's kind of separate and observing. So when if you if you're exercising and feeling tired, you know, when you're looking at the minutes on the treadmill or whatever the peloton, so you could say you're such a good body. You're doing so well, and all of a sudden, you feel this right. surge. Your body will respond to you, wow. and it's like a kid, literally like a child. So speak to it like you would your kid, like in a loving way, and notice what happens. It changes your whole life because we are the lens that we look out at the world from, and the body is a huge part of that. I actually felt very much at peace. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, yes. You, Hashem's running the world. And I, uh, yeah, it felt that peaceful. So that's the answer to your question from before, which is what do we do when we believe it here, but we can't integrate it here? Mm. Now you know the answer Mm. of how to practice that. And it will change your whole life to do that. Changed my life. My my stomach said, uh, no more coffee. Stop drinking coffee. I drank coffee for a few days in a row and I normally don't. Straight away, my body said, stop, stop with the coffee. Mm. Okay, got it. All right, well. Wow. Speaking of integration, yeah. um, we we normally yeah wrap up to, yeah we wrap up with a uh, like a favorite quote, quote or, a parting or a parting message for our listeners that you're single by design, not by punishment. That that your the single journey is part of exactly what you need right now to become who you're meant to be, mm. and you will have a a bit better relationship in marriage because of it. And to just never give up never give up that it's it's it is an organic process in place and trust the process and trust the shim in that process and i think never give up that first two globally as well yes yeah on yeah. the macro on the micro you it's must never give up it's yeah. all happening by design control yeah hold the shim's hand yeah okay. thank you jackie thank you so much for coming here today <laughs>